gun Ramos looking like he's got one more good run Sips a little shaky But his heart is still true Oh how that dog loves hunting with me and you Sporting dog adventures run Hey, this is Jeff Fuller of Soggy Acres Retrievers and Sporting Dog Adventures TV. We have had a great run showing our love for dogs with our show, our podcast, our social media, and all that is based on Soggy Acres Retrievers. We proudly bring this podcast to you by Soggy Acres Retrievers and ask you if you are looking for training, boarding, or a yellow, black, or chocolate Labrador Retriever puppies, please check out SoggyAcres.com. Remember, everyone deserves a Soggy Dog. Jeff Fuller again from Soggy Acres Retrievers and Sporting Dog Adventures Podcast. When you look at hunting, you need to have yourself prepared. Our good friends at Mac Outdoors have reloading supplies, as well as great clay target machines to get you prepared so you have more success in the field. Don't get that dirty look from your dog. Check out Mac Outdoors. Welcome to the Sporting Dog Adventures podcast. I have a great show for today. We are going to start out with the main body of our program with more than a dog. To talk about the importance of a dog to us, to talk about how it affects our humans, to talk about how it affects our family, the memories made, and how we bond with them. And during our training, we're going to talk about a question that I get often, which is, does putting your dog with a trainer or doing the training yourself where you are making the dog perform at a certain level affect your bond with the dog? In other words, the question I get, will they hate me? And last, we're going to talk about in our hunting tip, getting blinds ready now early in summer as opposed to waiting till right before the season. So going to be a fun show. We are going to have a lot of great conversation that I hope elicits people to send emails and questions to us that we can help them with and possibly use in future episodes. So more than a dog. I will say that it's been a couple of weeks since we've put out a show and there's a reason for that. Uh, this time of year is always very hard for me. Yes, it's Easter holiday. Yes, it's a time to celebrate. But for me, when we hit April 4th, that is a time of great sadness and reflection for me as a father. April 4th of 2019, I lost my son Cole to a suicide. And it is something that pretty much destroyed my life. It has changed me forever. And it is something that I can never just, I guess, get over. Many people look at it as the loss of someone that you need to get over. The loss of a child is so hard and the loss of a child to suicide is so hard. But it also, to me, creates the reflection on how wonderful it is to have dogs. My dogs, to me, are what define me as well as my family. My dogs are my family. Uh, It gives me great faith and almost a calmness to know that when my son passed, we had our dogs waiting for him at the Rainbow Bridge so that they could comfort him 
hang out with him, and he's probably having just a ball up in heaven with him. With that said, as far as dogs, that bond that we get with dogs is, it, it's something that I don't think people realize, one, until they owned it, or owned a dog, but two, people don't understand that incredible bond when I have the Facebook pages, we sell puppies and train dogs, when I can see it, not just in my own relationship, but I can see it times thousands every year in the messages I get, and the pride people have in their dogs, and the love people have for their animals, and how they are a family member. Again, it's, it's more than a dog. We are talking about everyone having their champion, whether it's a champion of sitting on the couch, whether it's a champion of riding in the truck next to them, whether it's a champion in the field during competition or out hunting. We all have this vision of what we want our dog to be. We have this dream. And then you get this animal that will work so incredibly hard for you and try to do everything you want just to please you. At the same time, they do things that frustrate the heck out of us and that make you just mad at, because of the fact that they are still somewhat self-employed. And it comes down to where you're doing that sweet spot of having that bond with your dog, but also having structure and having training. And I will tell you that when you have structure and training for your dog, it creates a happier dog and happier owner. So don't ever think that doing training on your dog is something you don't need to do. Again, we're going to get to that in the next section. But you are going to have an animal that is much happier so that they are put in this position so that uh, they are always going to be pleasing you. When we look at the thought process of more than a dog, at least I look at it as having lost my son, I think back on so many wonderful memories we had and almost all of them center around the dogs. Whether it was a funny memory where we were watching a movie, usually there's a dog involved. Whether it was going on a trip in the summer where we took dogs along, or whether it was having our dogs hunt with us on the television show, it has always centered around the dogs being part of our family as well. And it's not lost on me that when I am incredibly down, and I have many moments of being down, when you dealt with losing someone to mental illness, and for that people, it is an illness. We are dealing with something that is affecting more and more families. I hope that me being open and honest about it, uh, we've raised a lot of money. I hope that helps people. But the old thought process of the person is selfish. The person is only thinking of themselves. The person is sick. Imagine if we told someone that had, that died of cancer, God, that was so selfish. They just gave up and died. Or they died of a heart attack. That was really selfish of them to let their heart, heart stop. It is a mental illness. Keyword illness. We need to talk to our kids. We need to look at it that. We need to change our perception and how we look at things. And honestly, I think we can have dogs that will help. Dogs are proven to be a great antidepressant. I will tell you at my lowest, and having dealt with this, it is something that I struggle every morning with, getting up and getting going. My dogs create humor, compassion, and drive for me. 
I'm always driving and striving to do better with my dog business because I know the dreams I'm providing people. I also strive to have dogs that are performing well in the field when we're training. And then with my own dogs, breeding dogs, it is trying to create that perfect dog that's going to want to run through a brick wall in the field, be athletic, but also be a great pet first. So it is something that every morning when I've got these guys looking up at me, wagging their tails, I've got Memphis who wants to sit on my lap like a human. She actually literally sits on my lap and has no fear. She knows I won't drop her. Sits there, totally relaxed, has me pet her. And then Scarlet will come up and start biting my arm because she wants me to pet her. Not biting me where she's going to draw blood, but mouthing my arm. Having them and looking at the day and going, you know what? This world is not so bad. We're going to push forward. If you're ever really down, I lay with my dogs on the ground. They will sense that you're sad. They'll help make you happy. And they actually make me laugh. They bring me up on so many levels. So the studies you see about dogs being a great antidepressant, absolutely they are. Labrador Retrievers is what I breed. That to me is the best breed. I know I'm going to get some hate for that or some some disagreement for that. Rather uh, different put. But what a wonderful breed and a dog that is just bonded to the owner, bonded to the family. And... Their whole job is to make us happy. Their whole job is to please us. Yes, I know they go self-employed at times and frustrate us. But you're talking about an animal that every day when they see their owner, they're excited and it's the best day for them. It's something also as I've lost almost all of my original dogs. Uh, We've got our last dog, Rommel. Rommel from the TV show Sporting Dog Adventures. Uh, He was a star, traveled all over North America, hunted everywhere. It's funny because I meet many people that have dogs named Rommel. And I think part of it is that we had the show and part of it is that, that people thought it was a cool name, which is a great tribute to him. He is the reason many people got into dogs. I've gotten, I don't know how many emails that, that Rommel and Pickett, uh, are dogs that they, they, they wanted to model their, their, their own dogs after. They wanted to have dogs in the field because they thought it was so neat watching them. Well, Pickett just passed away uh, a couple of weeks ago, and Rommel can barely even walk anymore. He's not long for this world. We are keeping him comfortable. He's on lots of medications. We call him Big Pharma because of all the uh, drugs he's on. Probably more pills than kibble. But uh, to see that bond that a dog has with an owner, my oldest son Clayton has moved out. Clayton was over the other day, and Rommel, again, can barely walk. He's incredibly arthritic. He's in a lot of pain. He saw Clayton. His whole demeanor lit up, and he turned, almost fell down because he turned too fast, and wanted to go over just to nuzzle on him, just to get him, just to be pet. You watch those moments, and you realize how incredibly dear our dogs are to us, how incredibly dear we are to the dogs. And you can see that bond that we have with dogs that, again, makes them more than a dog. So not the usual topic uh, for our podcast, but again, one that's incredibly important. Realize how important dogs are to us. Realize that they deserve a great life, that we need to do everything we can to keep them happy, that their whole world is making us happy. Also, again, please For me as a father that's lost my child, talk to your kids. Ask them how they're doing. Have them put the phone down. 
have a conversation with them and make sure they're doing okay. These are times that I can't even imagine being a kid and with social media as vitriol and awful that it is at times. I cannot imagine being a young person. Now we've got a lot of our young people that can't go out and can't even be kids. Talk to your kids. Make sure they're doing okay. So I'm off my soapbox. Next, we are going to talk about does your dog change at all when you go to training? I always get the question of will my dog hate me if I drop him off for training? So we're going to talk about that and hit that topic coming up next after this. Hey, this is Jeff Fuller from Sporting Dog Adventures Podcast. I want you to know that we buy all of our trucks at Boucher Automotive. We go to Janesville. They've got a great selection, great staff. If you're looking for a new truck or car, check out our friends at Boucher Automotive in Janesville. Welcome back to Sporting Dog Adventures Podcast. Today, we are going to talk about training and in specific, how your dog responds to training during our training segment. I will often get the question asked to me when someone is dropping a dog off or someone's looking at prospectively training their dog themselves, will my dog hate me for putting pressure on them? And the short answer is no. Once you give a dog structure, you as a owner and as a handler in the field and a companion with their dog will be incredibly more happy than when a dog does not have structure because the dog is going to be doing things mischievous, go self-employed, which is my favorite term that I use, but they're going to be causing headaches for you that get you upset. So you are going to put yourself in a position that you basically are giving them structure and creating a better bond with your dog. When people drop dogs off for training, I will get the question of, is the dog going to hate me? Will they remember me? And the answer is no. They're labs. They understand who their owner is. We're working with them on a different level. We're working with them and then working with you to make you a better handler. The dog will prosper once they have this structure. They will be a better pet when you get them home and you will enjoy them more. Now, training in essence is all about control. We don't train a dog to hunt. The dog is trained to hunt for us as a partner. So we're taking their drives and we're reining them in. And we're basically doing obedience for three months as well as introduction to different things so that they see different concepts. But you're putting them in a position where they are completely under control. The number one comment I always get from people when they pick dogs up is, wow, my dog's matured. No, your dog hasn't matured. Your dog's been taught carrot and stick with 10% of the correction being in the dog's mind, while that sucks, I don't want that to happen again, and 90% being, holy cow, the guy loves it when I do this. We teach the handler, and when you're doing the training yourself, you teach the dog that if they do what you want, they're going to get great praise. If they don't, they get a firm correction the first time. So keep that in mind. Training does not affect a dog not liking someone. In fact, when you see them, they're a pack animal. They will actually gravitate toward the person that has trained them. Again, trained them properly so that you're giving them positive reinforcement a lot of times. But they will be gravitated toward the trainer because they have more respect for them and want to be around them. So 
get out there, get your dogs trained or work with your dog. Be fair, be concise, and be firm. And you are going to have a happy animal and a more happy life because your dog is going to be so much more bonded and under control for you. That's it for this part of the show. Stay tuned next for our hunting tip after this. Jeff Fuller from Sporting Dog Adventures and Soggy Acres Retrievers. In our house, my wife hates having the plastic kennels and wire crates. We need them for the dogs because we have times when they need to be put somewhere, but she cannot stand the look. So we talked to DCT Kennels, and we now have a new partnership with them for a product that is a crate, but also a piece of furniture. If you want something that is practical, as well as great looking, check out DCT Kennels. Our great fans of the Sporting Dog Adventures podcast, we are growing at an astronomical rate, and I want to thank you all. I do ask one thing from you. Please give us a five-star rating on iTunes. Please give us a thumbs up, follow us, subscribe to us on whatever other platforms you're on. And the most important thing I can ask, share our podcast with your friends so that we can grow our love for the dogs and dogs in the field and make it so that people are more involved in our sport. Again, thank you so much for being listeners. Take care. Welcome back to our last segment of Sporting Dog Adventures for this episode. And today we're going to talk about my plan for my blinds. This is the first time in three years we're not incredibly flooded on my hunting properties. So my goal is to not add blinds this year. I may add one if I get everything done. But last year we're sitting in my blinds and they look pretty shabby. We still did pretty good. But I have to look at it and go, how much better would we have done if we actually had these blinds where they were far more concealed. So I'm going to start probably in mid-May and set up a work day during May, June, July. And then if I have time, we'll build that other blind in August. But I am going to get our blinds done early so that our local birds are completely used to being around our blinds. And the other thing that I have noticed is when you're working on your blinds later in the year, it kills a lot of the vegetation around them. When you're in a wetland, if you even step on those cattails, my goodness, the effect that it has. So I want our blinds to have a lot of cover grown up around them. We're going to get in there. We're going to be very careful how we get in there. And we're going to conceal our blinds with... A bunch of different stuff. Part of it is going to be like a almost like a fake cattail look, uh, where they're plastic. I'm going to paint them to match uh, some of the some of the cover that I have on one of our field blinds that we used on water. I uh, build platforms, but I'm going to color match it to that so that we have something that is on our blinds that is a permanent thing and will, I guess, hold up, but also be there so that the birds are used to it during the early part of the season. A lot of my hunting, because I like to deer hunt, is the first month of duck season. We get a lot of local birds. We have a lot of local birds. And we're going to pretty much get out there and make sure that we have this stuff so that we are locked in, we're done, and the birds are used to it. So there's my hunting tip for you for this episode. I want to thank you all for listening to our show. And please, check out our Facebook page, check out our website, SoggyAcres.com. 
And also give us feedback, sportingdogtv at gmail.com. Send us some feedback. Let us know what you want us to talk about here on the Sporting Dog Adventures podcast. Thank you so much. God bless. Sporting Dog Adventures, run, boy, run. Everything you need is here under the sun.